Okay, everyone, welcome to episode 18 of the Great Divide podcast. It's hard to believe I say this every time that we do one of these, but uh, it's amazing. We've got 18 episodes, and we've also got an incredible amount of downloads so far. And really what's been, I guess, about a year since the show started, even though we, we pretty much celebrated a year, I think, when we did the Utide episode. I think the first episode actually came out sometime in June of last year. So we, we just wanted to share some news before we begin that we have got um, a lot more downloads, uh, total downloads to report. And I'll let Svein give you the total number. Yeah, because I crunched the numbers and you just lean back and say, interesting. Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, we, ha- we have plenty of downloads. I think John's site has uh, had the most so far, but iTunes is quickly catching up. And right now they're roughly even. I think we have short of 13,000 on John's site and a bit over 11,000 on iTunes. So this week we actually passed 24,000 downloads, which is incredible. Wow, that is that is really amazing. So yeah. thanks, thanks you guys for listening and for for all the feedback that we've gotten. Um, we got a lot of great feedback from the last episode, which was preparing for the journey, and we kind of approached that episode as the occasion that it was uh, a time for us to reflect on a new big country album. Because as we said the last time, we don't know how many more times we'll get to do that. Hopefully, some more uh, beyond this this album. But now the journey is here. The journey has commenced. And uh, the journey is here, the album is here, and I think most of us have had at least enough time to form some really strong opinions about it. And I know Svein and I have, because we've both had the album now for uh, well over a month, and we've listened to it quite a bit. I think we've got enough enough listening time in where we can make a pretty accurate review that reflects our, our opinions on this album that will probably be lasting opinions. Yeah, I think uh, what would change my opinion is if I could actually get a freaking lyric sheet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I lot, know. A, a lot of these songs are hard to uh, to discern. I mean, think of us, think of us foreigners who don't understand English. What are we gonna do? I know, I know. Well, you know, there is a, there is a lyric sheet in the album. It's one um, it's one sheet, and it just says river on it. <laughs> Yeah, that covers quite a bit. I think uh, if you count the rivers on this album, you you'll find almost one in every song. <laughs> My first listen to the journey, I got it as a download, and I got to say the, the first reaction I had, I was kind of surprised about because it was it was this intense feeling of of sadness and and grief in a way that for for the loss of Stuart, and I really felt like I was over that to the point that I was ready to accept new music. I mean, obviously the death of Stewart really left a scar that will never go away in, in all of us. And certainly that way with me too. So I'm, I'm never going to say I am over Stewart's death because I never will be over it. But I thought I at least was ready after so many, the last few years of listening to Mike Peters fronting the band and, and even hearing them doing new songs and, accepting that and coming to terms with that and starting to listen to it in an objective way, I thought for sure that that would be the case when I turn on this album and start to listen to it, and I wouldn't be sort of haunted by the specter of Stuart. But it was not the case, at least for the first uh, listen or so. And and it, I want to stress that it didn't last that long, but it was still just like the sharp kick in the gut when I first when I heard the very first notes of this album, because... It just hit me. Wow, I'm about to listen to a big country album with 
zero Stuart Adamson anywhere. I'm not going to hear Stuart sing. I'm not going to hear any lyrics that Stuart wrote. I'm not going to hear any music that Stuart wrote. He certainly influenced the album, as we'll talk about, but he hasn't directly influenced the album at all. And that, that just really hit me a lot harder than I thought it would. And it really wasn't until about the second time through that I finally started to get over that. And I almost feel like that was like the last phase of of real grief for what happened with Stuart. It was almost like that was the last thing I had to go through. Anyway, I just thought that was interesting. And, and once I got over that and started to listen to the album, um, I got to say, it, it just really, really surprised me, shocked me almost. I mean, as far as how much I liked it and how well I thought they have they did in establishing uh, a new a new sound for the band while maintaining what they had in the past. I mean, we we sort of talked about this in the last episode. We we said what they needed to do was have a foot in the future and a foot in the past to some degree. And um I think they accomplished that beautifully here. Um and I breathed just a huge sigh of relief after hearing this album and really starting to understand it because it's, it's not like I thought it was going to be a bad album and it's not like I was worried that it was going to be bad, but there were some concerns that I had and I didn't know exactly what to expect, but man, if they didn't, if they didn't win me over with this, they, they, they just completely won me over. I think it's a great album. It's something that I'll be listening to for forever. And if you award MVPs, most valuable player awards for, people on an album i would have to give it to mark although i think everybody really steps up their game on this record but um mark strumming is like nothing i've i've heard from him since probably since the steel town album quality wise i think it sits right up there with uh with the same type of quality that the band had been known for before and like my favorite big country albums it's a headphones album when you listen to it in headphones you hear so many little intricate things going on i was amazed by that and I think what it really shows is that people can say that Big Country was Stuart Adamson, and he was certainly the focus and the focal point and the genius of the band, and rightly so. But clearly, I think this album proves that there was a lot of other stuff going on, too, and a lot of other people that were contributing to the sound, because a lot of that is still here. Yeah, I think you said one thing that uh, definitely I... Uh recognize and i see a lot of people having the same experience which is relief and uh i think a lot of people wanted to like the album and really wanted to and i think there was a concern that they wanted to like it more than they would like it and uh i definitely come from that thing uh that it's a new start it's a new beginning it really you wipe the slate clean and you have no idea where it's going to end up it's not going to be a follow-up to anything it's really a continuation on a different level and uh, can they live up to this can they live up to that you know even though you don't want to compare it with anything but it's unavailable you know as long as you're gonna go out this big country you uh, you sign up basically for a certain thing you, you sign up for a certain element uh, if you go out as a new band really you have a license to do anything you want to but if you go out this big country you expect something and uh, I guess that's something was what had people concerned that would that something be there or would it be like before or surpass what was before or at least be comparable on some level uh so i i don't even remember 
taking it in the first time. I was just sitting there and uh, in a trance. Uh, I was sitting at home, just playing the album. I was in the living room and just taking it in. And uh, it, I just listened to a couple of songs and I knew this this feels right, right right away. This feels right. And uh, already the first song, you know, when uh, the Broken Promise Land came on, and right, yes, this feels right. You know, if if the rest of the album suck, this song kind of is something already it's 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 already something of value and you set yourself up for if the rest suck but you you go song after song after song into the album and you say okay now i got enough to be happy and even if the rest suck now now i got three <laughs> four or five songs so you sort of grow your comfort zone as you go through the album and i guess that's a good sign and by the time i was through it i said okay i'm totally on board with this i have no concerns and i i feel relief it's it's exactly what I hoped it would be, what I didn't dare hope for, which is really the thing. No one dared to hope for this. Uh, and uh, right. we had some songs on YouTube, uh, some songs that were played live years before. Uh, I think the albums surpass what those blueprints were, th- those early sketches of live things. I think they have surpassed themselves for the most part. And uh, in some cases where I was concerned about what I heard on YouTube, I was much relieved with the final result. It really lives up to the name. A lot of songs where I felt the big country signature wasn't that strong, I feel it more on the album. And I definitely feel a big country signature. So yes, the album very clearly exceeds expectations. And not especially in terms of being a good collection of songs, but especially in terms of being a big country album. That was really what I was concerned about. I knew there would be good songs. And uh, uh, the guys involved in this band, they, they make good music. I would be happy with the music, but would it be a big country album? So that was always a big question in my book. And so would it be a big country album? Or would, it, would it be a good one? So by going out as that name, there are certain obligations and musical legacy and what have you that you should live up to. And uh, so it could be a good album and still not a big country album. But uh, yeah, we'll save the main summary for after our dissection. But yes, it is a good big country album. They've made me proud, I think, is, is the main thing. And more importantly, they made me happy. So I smile when I listen to this thing. <laughs> yep, I do too. Okay, so why don't we just start talking about the album then track by track? And we will start with the review from one of you guys through our SpeakPipe page. And fittingly, this comes from a true Scotsman. Hello, this is Kenny Henderson from Glasgow, Scotland. I'm here to talk about the new Big Country album, but firstly I want to make sure you have the pronunciation right of the album title. Being a Scottish band, it's essential that you call it The Journey. I know you guys will give the accent your best shot. I've got to say the album completely surprised me. I wasn't expecting great things at all, but I'm delighted to be able to say to the band, sorry I doubted you, you proved me wrong and you did yourself, San Stuart proud. The album sounds fantastic. Who needs a big name producer when you can make an album sound that good by yourself? It's full of great guitar sounds, full of great melodies, and of course the drumming is amazing. In fact, I think this album could well be Mark Brzezicki's finest moment. I've left a full album review on the Facebook page, so I won't go into the the individual tracks here. I just want to add one thing which is about the track, In a Broken Promised Land, I think it needs more cowbell. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say about the album, and thanks again for the great podcasts. That was an awesome message, Kenny. Thank you. you. You will get the ball rolling as we begin to discuss this album track by track, and... 
we're gonna we're gonna try to we're gonna try to do what you suggest. So as we get ready to talk about the journey. Good that. God! You don't have to add the pathos. <laughs> I, ha- I feel like I have to. I, I'm doing. A, I'm really doing a Shrek impersonation. I'm, I'm impersonating Shrek, impersonating a Scottish person. So that's the only way I can do it. The journey. <laughs> the journey. <laughs> but it's not over. Shrek. In a broken promised land is the first song on the big country album, The Journey. And it really um, illustrates the landscape of big country. Everything that's happened to it over 30 years is is kind of um, summed up in that one song. There's, there's lyrical references back to the past, but it also points to the future. And uh, the, the big country's had to endure a lot to get this far. And, uh, and uh, In a Broken Promised Land is uh, the the opening song of the album and, and sets the scene musically and lyrically for everything that follows on the journey. In a Broken Promise Land kind of originated from a, a little demo that Jamie and I did uh, on a little porter studio up in Dunfermline. Uh, a little drum machine, a couple of guitars and modern technology. I thought, I'll ping this down to Mike, you know, MP3 it. Mike, M- he gets it, he does his bit, MP3s it back to me. And we did the very same, sent it over to Derek and stuff like that, you know, and it's a great way of working. It's a new way of working for big country, but it's modern technology. <laughs> yeah, it was great when, when the demo arrived. I wasn't sure it was coming, and it, uh, I can't remember what it was called. It was just track one. Yeah. And I, I just started playing it, and, and the idea of the, the first line, the past is a foreign country, just came to me, because that's sort of where we, we've had to come from. The, the, it is a foreign country, big country. Uh, the, the, the history of the band is... As as was is quite far and widespread and and in the past and uh, to bring that all forward into the future, it, uh, there was a lot of things that needed to be addressed and they began with that song really that the the idea of the of the the past meets the future and and sort of the idea of bringing everything together lyrically unifying everything solidifying everything because you have to have that base to go forward. Okay, so Broken Promised Land, the opening of this album, and what an opening it is. I think this is one of the best opening songs that we've had on a big country album in a long time. Um, I'll just come right out and say it now. This is my favorite song on the album. I think it should have been the single. I think it uh, it, it would have been a better way to introduce reintroduce the band to the public than the song Hurt. Um, it's got so many trademarks of classic big country, but... Obviously, the main thing that's different here is Mike, Mike's voice, um, which is a, which is a huge difference. But I think this song really does a great job in what we talked about before. It does a great job of bridging the present and the future with the past. And man, when you hear the opening riff of this song, which, by the way, reminds me a little bit of Return to the Two-Headed King. Very fitting that it that the album starts out with what I assume is Bruce playing the guitar. It could be Jamie, who knows? But it's a great big country riff, great way to start out. And then the very next thing you get hit by is what's going to be a common motif throughout this album, and that's this incredible drum part from Mark. And I think when I first heard those drums, I just thought, wow. The lyrics to the song are really strong. 
it starts out with what I consider a great line. The past is a foreign country. I think that's just um, a really good line and a good way to start this new, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it, this new journey. <laughs> it's a really great way to say it. It's a perfect the journey. Way. Yeah, the journey. The journey. It's a great Perfect. way. It's a great way to start the song out, and um, the, the, another great line I think in the chorus is "Roses and ashes lie where your shadow falls." I think that's a beautiful, beautiful line by Mike. Really good, and clearly this song is about Stewart, um, or at least you know certainly influenced by Stewart and what what's happened, and references him directly in an, both that line about roses and ashes lie, and also in a line that. Um, says all that you had to give you gave for us all clearly that's referencing Stuart too and i get a little choked up when i hear that and when i heard it the first time um but musically i think is just where this song really shines and offers this incredible declaration if you'll pardon the pun um of what this album is going to be i mean you can really hear the sound of guys who are really really hungry i think on this song and there's just a, a sparkling energy to the song it's electric it's um it's got an incredible amount of power to it musically and what i really like about it is the musicality is really there but it doesn't sound or feel studied it feels like the band could just completely let loose at any second it's just it's just like barely contained chaos i guess if you could if you if that makes any sense it's um it's just a powerhouse of a song um just a couple things that really stand out to me, a couple portions of the song besides those lyrical elements that I mentioned and the guitar playing in general. There's some really cool guitar playing during the verses, and I, I wish I could better explain what I mean by cool guitar playing, but there's just this pattern playing during the verses that I think is really inventive and very, very cool. Um, really interesting from a from a musical perspective. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just go back and listen to it and listen to what's being played during the verses of the song. And it's just a really cool little part because Bruce or whoever's playing that could have easily just played uh, a bar chord there or a muted chord and kind of a chugga 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 type of thing. But they're playing this really cool little rhythmic part that adds a whole lot to the feel of that song, in my opinion. Um, I think the guitar solo by Bruce is great, and I'm I'm assuming that's Bruce because I've seen a video of them playing this live, and he plays this solo live. And the best thing about this solo is actually not the guitar, though. It's during the solo section, Mark does this incredible pattern on what I think is a China symbol or a, a crash symbol. I'm not completely 100% sure of the technical term for the symbol that he's playing, but he just does these crashes. Uh, on the symbol there, this pattern that is just so freaking powerful and cool. It's just absolutely awesome. This is going to be a very boring uh, song description because I honestly have zero criticisms of this song. Um, Love the melody, love the music, love the production, and just just when you think it's over, they give you that little bit of extra that's kind of like the icing on the cake, which is this little lead line that I've since learned was played by Jamie. 
and it's the, the stereotypical great big country line. In fact, it really reminds me of the solo part that Stewart used to play live in Fields of Fire. I just think this is a great song. It's a great way to start the album. It's a great way to set the tone. And it, it really hits you immediately. And this is something that we should talk about a little bit too as we go through this that we didn't really get to yet is the production of this album. Um, right. It was produced by Big Country, but a woman named Andrea Wright was the engineer and I believe the one who mixed the album. And um have to give a lot of credit to her and to them because – I know they were originally talking about having Bill Nelson produce this and maybe some other people. And even when Bruce spoke with us, he mentioned Rafe McKenna as possibly mixing or mastering the album, the guy who had done Driving to Damascus. But he's not in any of the credits, so obviously he had nothing to do with it. And Bill Nelson apparently did not either. So they chose to do it themselves. And, man, I think they did an awesome, awesome job. I, I have yeah. a couple of, couple of nitpicks about it that I'll get to in other songs. But, boy, what a great production. And great mix and um this this song i think is one of the strongest big country songs period that we've had in a, in a long time and yeah. I'm, I'm just thrilled with it yeah, i mean speaking about the kind of production that's uh, about giving the material direction they definitely are showing that they can do this themselves they clearly know what they want uh, like most bands do when they've been around for a while a lot of bands produce themselves at the you know, when they reach their 30th anniversary. They, they know what they want more than a new producer do. So uh, when it comes to the more technical aspects of production, including working on sound and possibly engineering it, uh, obviously I'd, I'd like to have the CD and listen to an uncompressed album. Uh, so I'm not going to comment too much. Sometimes it feels a little rough around the edges. Uh, I'm not sure if it's aimed at rather than because of mistakes. It doesn't feel like a mistake. It could be part of the sound. It's certainly not jarring or distract from the sound, uh, but uh, I think as long as you know giving the material direction is the biggest thing, and this song clearly hits home there. I mean, what a what a song to come back with, and uh, it's the perfect song to start the album. And yes, you're right. You know, it, there can be no mistake. The opening riff is returned to the two-handed thing, and um, it's about time that riff gets a proper showing. Really, it, it's a it's a killer riff, and it's played a bit different. And uh, like a lot of ingredients in this song and on this album, it just sounds very playful. Like that middle guitar part you you referenced, it, it's very playful. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah, they're trying out and they're being playful, and it's yeah, you like that? What about this thing? And yeah, how about this? And there never is sort of an A4 or very few instances there's a couple but for the most part this album is really playful and try different things and different instrumentations and i think i saw somewhere that even derek plays guitar so you have at least three potentially four if mike plays guitar guitar players on this album and that's insane so anyone can play anything and anything goes and i think that shows in the music there's a playfulness and uh, it's also shown in what i think um the crediting of the album. I think every song is credited to every member of the band. In other words, you sort of stop the who wrote what kind of thing that uh, some some bands have very distinct songwriting and maybe it becomes more a political issue. Where here, 
that isn't the case. You know, anyone can bring an idea, they try it out, and they incorporate, they mix things up. And uh, from a fan perspective, I'm I'm kind of one of those guys who would like to know who wrote what. I'm 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 really interested in that and who wrote what and who who did what bit and who played what part. Uh, so there's part of me that I want to have that information. Come on, give it to me. But having it be a, more about the band, I think, has helped the music on this album, and it shows. It's it's playful, and I, I'm never sure who's played what. And the fact that you have four potential guitar players for any one bit in this uh, on this album uh, is incredible. It, it's it's uh, it's it's definitely something that it shows in the music. You know, anything's possible. So setting the standard right from the start. And having a song that is both upbeat and up-tempo is very clever. And it's the guitar hooks that grab you right away. It's not just the catchy opening riff, but they make room for the breakout guitar lines in the verses. I mean, Mike comes in, sings a couple lines, and they have a breakout guitar line. A beautiful, melodic yeah. line. How, how smart isn't that? They, they really rope me in with that. They leave breadcrumbs, and we just follow them. And they keep throwing bits like that in all the time. And that's freaking amazing. It's such a playful song, such a very melodic and strong song. And it brings back the Celtic. Driving to it really Damascus. Does. Yeah, Driving to Damascus took away the Celtic. And here we get it back. So so I'm really, really thrilled about that. And once the song gets underway and you're taken in to into the initial sonic attack, the true star of the proceedings come to the fore, which is Mark. He's, he simply is unbelievable on this song and on this album. Mm-hmm. And, and as good as everybody are, I have to say that for me, this is Mark's album. He is just incredible. Uh, he's always been very technical, playing incredible stuff on hi-hats and very intricate patterns. But I have to admit, sometimes I say, come on, Mark, bash a bit more. <laughs> come on. Uh, I know you can play the technical stuff. You know, you, Do it with hit you know come on and of course he missed the opportunity to do that on the buffalo skinners uh, he wasn't there which what which was but the now album. but now we know that he could have yeah we now apparently and obviously we see the live songs he played on and, and did a damn fine job but at long last he gets to be let loose on an actual big country studio album so i'm i'm, I'm very happy about that and uh, like yourself the song should have been the single uh, it's super catchy it would stand out on radio it sounds like the band. I think the band should be proud of their sound. It, I think they should flaunt it, to be honest. Yeah, I do so, too. Uh, so we're, we're going to get to Hurt eventually, but that may be the one song that tones down the big country style the most. It, it sounds like it could be a number of bands, but uh, this this definitely is a flagship song, it, and it's very positive, and it takes you in. And the way they sprinkle interesting things stuff in, I think it would have stood up. So uh, it's definitely one of my favorites. You already said it's your favorite. For me, it's number two. Number two for you? Okay, number yeah. one for me. Yeah, yeah, I love and, it. So. Um, this is the very first time in the album that Mike uses the word river, and it works great here. And I do think he uses it too much, however, throughout the, rest of the <laughs> album. And we'll get to that. <laughs> I think one of the things with Mike, and I think with with all the stuff that he does and has going on, I just don't think there's any way that he can sit and craft lyrics to songs the way Stewart probably did when he wrote for Big Country. I mean, I got the feeling that Stewart probably took the music and then he took it somewhere and he sat with it for a long period of time and wrote and crafted his lyrics. And Mike's, Mike's just obviously more of a stream of consciousness guy. And some of the stuff you get from that is really good. And some of the stuff you get from that can be uh, very cliched, I think, at least in my opinion. And But I think the thing that it's got that that wins me over overall, even though I do wish 
some more care had been given to some of the lyrics. But what what really wins me over is the delivery. And I think this song is a, is a great example of his singing, which I think is fantastic on this album. I, I'm again, I'm nowhere near the the fan that you are as far as having the material. So I can't I can't judge it and rank it accurately with what everything he's done. But just going on what I've listened to and heard, this has to be one of his best vocal performances ever, I think, um, at least from my knowledge of the alarm and what little I've heard of him solo. I just am really impressed by his singing on this. And there is even a line in um, in Broken Promise Land where he really just lets loose and holds the note toward the end as Mark does this incredible drum roll. It's a great it's a great moment. And um, it's really, again, another kind of declaration of what this new big country is going to be like. And it's great singing on this. Great singing. Mike does sing greatly. He um, he has a strong voice. It is, of course, uh, like a muscle. The more you use it, the stronger it gets. And he always uses it. <laughs> I don't think it's ever let down. Yeah. Uh, but uh, on the topic of Mike's lyrics, uh, since we're touching on this, and I know we're going a bit back and forth with this, but uh, uh, I, I looked a bit at the differences in approach between Mike and Stuart. And if you look at some very classic examples from both of them, from these, these were written in the same year. And you have Stuart typically writing stuff like, Maps on the back of your hands point to the cross. Scratches on the wall in the room draws out your loss. It's pretty interesting stuff. It, it certainly isn't spur of the moment. This is well thought out and very poetic. Right. And in the same year, you have a lyric from Mike where he comes from a different angle. And this is from Blaze of Glory. It's funny how they shoot you down when your hands are held up high and you open up your heart and soul that's not enough for most it comes from a totally different place it's much more emotional much more um i'm bearing it all for for you to see and maybe it is more uh, less thought out less less poured over i think Stuart. i just imagine him in his study with his quill thinking yes exactly uh, whereas mike is out there and retching open his chest so you can look at his heart and he pours it out for you so it's totally different approach Right. And um, I'm not uh, uh, I get what you're saying about it seems like stream of consciousness. And maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Maybe that's maybe that's what he comes up with. Maybe that's the style he he just has to offer. And uh, I think in terms of cliche, I mean, I've been reading a lot of comments online that Mike's lyrics, you know, he, he veers into the cliche too often. And I see what they mean. But after having read it plenty of times i feel the biggest cliche of them all is that statement that my experience into the cliche <laughs> uh, it's it's kind of like uh, and i'm i'm, I'm going to use a cheesy example but please bear with me if, if you if you look at the phrase i love you it's the, the most cliched phrase of all but uh, we don't stop using it and it's all in context and delivery and now you mentioned this already like if you're in a beautiful location and you, you have a rose or whatever classic setup you have and you tell your partner i love you and the moment is right and you look into the eyes and then you have the delivery and the line means something. And that's exactly what Mike does to his songs. It's the context and the delivery. So, mm. yes, I, I totally see the, the cliche argument about Mike. But then you have the, the way he sings it. I mean, Mike's lyrics are not the ones that should be just read on the lyric sheet and taken as, as they are there. They, they should be really experienced and you should feel 
the way he delivers it. And some comments were made that, you know, that's the reason there's no lyric sheet in this album. There's a reason why there isn't one. And uh, on one level, it's it's a bit of a fun comment, but on another level, I feel a lot of people genuinely believe that's why. Uh, <laughs> so, so I don't know how I feel about that. But uh, definitely, there's... Uh, uh, this is a change for big country fans, and it's a change that, you know, th- this is Mike. This is this is what he brings. This is the style he brings. So, yeah. inst- so instead of having maps on the back of your hands that point to the cross, we'll have the opening of heart and soul, and uh, and, and those type of lyrics. So yeah. that that's that's part of the package, and, and I totally get that this is uh, this varies into the cliche, but uh, I don't know. Yes and no. Uh, I don't I don't buy it. As, as readily as a lot of people do. And part of me is, is tired of, of, of hearing that comment, but I do know where it's coming from. Yeah, I, I do too. And I, I think that's an interesting way that you that you uh, put it when you talk about the, the way I love you can be used. That's that's very good. Um, yeah, I, and I can see that with a lot of some, some of the lines Mike uses. and then But there are lines where I think he just, and we'll get to them in other songs where I feel like, when I say stream of consciousness, I don't necessarily mean that he didn't give it any thought or any legitimate thought but right, i think right. i think as any with any writer there are just certain themes that you just naturally go to as a writer you get you get a habit of going to this lyric or this kind of line or whatever mm-hmm. and some people feel some people are able to look at that and say you know what i write this too much i'm going to force myself to come up with something else some people just say hey that's what i came up with that's what i came up with some people might just say, I don't have time to finish writing this song. <laughs> so, so, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes that's the feeling that I get from some of these lines, but um, more so in some other songs. But it, it's 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 a rarity in this album. I, I really do think that he's got some really and, and I think that's why I bring it up more, because I really do think he's capable and, and has shown even in this album that he's capable of, of writing some really beautiful lines. And I, I part of me wishes he would go back to that sitting in sitting in a room with a quill because i i'm confident that he could that he could come up with some really great stuff but then again that's not him and he's got to be true to himself and uh that that to me doesn't necessarily give him carte blanche to just write anything he wants because i do think there are some moments where he could be called to task for some weaker lines but um as a as a guy yes i've said this many times as a guy he just has totally won me over with his personality with the way he lives Mm -hmm. his life with his outlook on life and yeah going, definitely you know definitely. You're, go, you're going from a guy with Stewart who clearly had a dark side and and that dark side is really what i think attracted a lot of us to the music um and to the lyrics especially and everybody has a dark side i'm sure mike does as well but nowhere near does he <laughs> does he have it it seems the way Stewart did i mean mike really seems to have preserved that same outlook that he had when he began and maybe even he, yeah. he may he may even have more now than he did then based on what he's gone through. And, and I think that also needs to be always be looked at what he's gone through personally with his battles, with his illness, because sometimes I would imagine that if you've looked death in the face more than once, maybe, maybe those big sweeping themes mean more to you than they would to someone who hasn't had that experience and who's sitting there saying, come on, wow me with some great literary moments here. Maybe those big, uh, themes of rivers and hurricanes and the things he uses so much, maybe they mean more to him uh, because of what yeah. he's going through. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. And I, I don't know if everybody's aware of this, but he's not just a cancer survivor once. He's a survivor twice. Right. And uh, 
and that is incredible. And he still is living with a condition that it could come back. And uh, yeah, he has to get it checked all the time, right? Yeah, yeah, he has to get it checked, and he still manages to be the positive Mike that everyone looks to for inspiration. Yeah. How, how strange is that? Hey guys, it's uh, Rob. Um, sharing a few thoughts about the journey. This is just an incredible album. You know, I I heard the clips on iTunes and I knew that it was going to be strong, but I was not prepared for it to be even half as good as it is. Um, there's not a weak track on the album. Um, you know, from In a Broken Promised Land to Hail and Farewell, it's an album that could easily stand alongside any of the past catalog. You know, Bruce and Jamie effortlessly play off of each other's strengths in a way that we haven't heard in a long time. It, Mike's vocals and his lyrics manage to sound more like an evolution to the sound of Big Country and less like, oh, I'm just trying to be Stuart Adamson. Derek Forbes, to me, adds a, a fresh, kind of a grimy groove to the songs. And, uh, you know, he manages to, to bring something to the table, some spark of creativity that, again, I feel had, had been missing for a little while. But if I have to say <laughs> this is anyone's album, it's got to be Mark Brzezicki's because, man alive, he lit it up from the opening track to the end. I mean, if everyone's playing at 110%, Mark's got to be playing at 116 because it's just absolutely blowing me away again i can't say enough good things about the way this turned out it could have so easily not turned out well it could have so easily been uninspired and hackneyed and trying too hard to sound like they used to and to me this sounds 100 percent fresh and it sounds like they have their own identity back you know i'm, I'm kind of speechless it's i've recorded this thing about a thousand times and each time i keep freezing up with trying to find the right words and so i'm just not even going to try it's that good thanks see you bye the journey was uh, a song that we wrote in in uh, the rehearsals when tony butler was still being part of the band and tony made a, um, a contribution to this particular song uh, and again it, it happened very organically uh, it started with um guitar part from from Bruce a, a kind of rhythm section and then and it just grew up from there and uh, but and the the lyrics really came from the conversation we had actually in the in the rehearsal room and uh, and I, I think Mark might have said to me something along the lines of it feels like we're going on a journey with this song and and, and it was the first time someone had actually mentioned the, the the phrase the journey and as the lyricist I sort of leapt on that I thought wait this is really We've, sometimes you've got to make the journey. We have to make that leap of faith. We have to uh, cross that line to embrace what is happening now. We've crossed that line, and, and this is a song that lyrically encourages everybody to cross that line. And, and it acknowledges that, yes, it's going to be a tough journey. There will be pain, there will be joy, there will be tears. Everything associated in life comes into making this particular journey, and, uh, and this is uh, the signature title track from the song because of that reason. Uh, no, with the journey, you know, like all big country songs, it it came with, from within the band, and as Mike said, you know, lyrical ideas pop up uh, instantly with Mike, and 
he gets ideas and he throws those lyrical ideas at the band as well. You know, he'll take me outside and say, I've got these great, this great line, you know, what, what do you think? This is my feeling for the song. And, I, and you know, when we're cutting the demos and stuff, I, I'm taking that, that, those words on board. And, it, 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 you know, you, you're painting this whole picture, again, in how it's, it's always evolving. And, um, you know, it, it's coming from a great guitar riff, and then, you know, Mike may say, well, let's go to this section now, you know, because I'm, I'm going to speak about this. And, you know, everything's being kind of, Mike's kind of leading the charge in that sense with the lyrical ideas with the music. And it, it does really help kickstart the song and move the song forward. You, you can know. start to mm. see it a little mm. bit clearer. We, we mm. would literally go outside the room and I'd have some words that just, they just literally come to me while I was hearing their mm. music. I, you know, you often think, where does a song come from? Is it from here? Is it from a, a higher place and it's passed down to you and and uh, so I, I felt that uh, we needed to really get as many of these words that, that the music was was thrown mm. up into the space down as fast as we could and we'd sit outside with, with yeah we had a tea break but you had your iphone you're yeah, going look we were banging these words into the, you know yeah. and i think this is going to work really great and when you do this section here if i can throw up that it's going to send the chorus in to you know elevate this and and it will really strengthen the meaning of my words you know and it, we were again painting pictures with, mm. with what we're doing and, yeah. and, and joining all forces together. And, and you know, there's an element of, um, I, there was an element we felt like Stuart was present at times because we were working in ways and Mark would say, oh, this is, this is uncanny, it's like, yeah. I'm sat here when we're working something out with yeah. Stuart. Yeah, and, exactly. and you, you, you know, when, uh, um, when my father died, you know, the, the, the vicar came to the house and he said, look, your father hasn't gone, he's just in the next mm. room and you can't see him. Yeah. And I felt that's how we were working in yeah. big country. We, I just felt like Stuart was in, in the other room and we couldn't see him, but his presence is, is there all the time because we're, we're continuing lines of work that, that began with with his inspirations and and that were shaped by the by the band and they belong to the family now. I, I think the fact that you know of a similar age and we grew up in the same time period and you know we both embraced music in a similar style. From you had the alarm, Big Country, you two Simple Minds. We talked about that family. Mike and Big Country have always been in harmony, and it, it was no huge big change. And that's not taking anything away from Stuart, but from a writing point of view, it wasn't a big change for me because I'm hearing it organically and I'm, Mike, along with other songwriters of that ilk and that period, work in that way. You know, you could call it old school, I call it our family, in you know, the way we work. And Mike instantly was the man, you know, doing what I would normally expect. And um, it, it, things just felt right. It's the chemistry thing again. Yeah, it was, yeah. I think we, you know, we, we just, we had such a um, an intimacy about us when we were working mm. straight away that I felt I could open to them and, and talk to them about lyrics. I thought maybe we, we're touching the nerve too yeah. deeply here and we're, we're sticking the pen in the heart and there's too much blood being spilled. But we, we didn't, we felt from the communal conversations we'd have as friends sat around the table when we were making this music that, that we needed to confront everything. We, should, we could, I, the one thing I was, felt strongly about this record we mustn't leave anything behind we've got everything we want to say has got to come out now we won't we might not get a second chance mm. it all has to come right now and we mustn't be afraid to to open ourselves up and not leave those words behind that we were too afraid to say
The Journey. Yes, this is, of course, one of the songs that the band have been playing live for a while, so we've had a while to get familiar with it. And uh, I uh, I wasn't too super keen about the early YouTube clips. Uh, I guess I, at the time, listened for big country hooks that uh, I didn't quite see. But uh, the studio version has made me much relieved. Uh, this is certainly the best version that we heard so far, as it should be. And it's clearly grown into a band song and a big country song. And uh, this is, you know, as the title track, a song that has some importance. And it's a mission statement song. And uh, I don't really mind mission statement songs, but th there's a balance to be struck there that sometimes can be hard to get right. Uh, I think there's only two ways of doing it. Either with a glint in the eye, go for the fun factor, or let it be a serious statement of intent. And this is definitely a more serious or at least earnest type of uh, statement. Like, don't be afraid to come with me to the journey, and there will be, there will be pain, there will be fun, and but it, it'll be all right. Just, just come with me. And that's pretty much all the lyrics are about. Don't be We don't go into the dark stuff like Stuart's not with us anymore or uh, all that stuff and so many years have gone by. It's just, now we're here. This is it. Journey starts here. You want to come with me? You know, don't be afraid. Uh, it will be fun. And uh, I, I, I like that earnestness. And I've used the term big company earnestness before. And the song has that. It has some of that. Um, but in terms of mission statement, I'm going to use a really cheesy example <laughs> of something else. Uh, I like a lot of music, and I'm going to use an example from the realm of heavy metal. Uh, few styles of music are as flag-carrying as metal, and uh, a lot of songs are a celebration of that style of music, and on some level they fall into the same kind of mission statement that songs like The Journey is. And one of the many bands I like is Manowar, the self-proclaimed kings <laughs> of heavy metal. And they have at least one song on each and every album they've ever released about themselves and about how they are either the kings of metal, about their fight for true metal, death to false metal, they are the, <laughs> they are the metal warriors. And I just think it's hilarious stuff. I mean, they're definitely going for the more fun aspect of uh, mission statements. Right, uh, so um, almost self-parodying celebration of what they are. So when I hear songs like "The Journey," I'm thinking this is Big Country's own little version of those kind of songs. Uh, it's about themselves. It's about what they're doing, and obviously it's not as abashedly over the top cheesy. It's more, or coming from the fun side. This is on Big Country's own terms. It's kind of serious, especially given the circumstances that brought Mike into the band. Um, the song is what it needs to be, but it's the same kind of thing. So I I look at it from that angle, and that's an interesting angle to, to look at it from. Um, Performance-wise, the song is great. Uh, the highlight of the song to me is Mark at the end of the song. He's giving us some really sweet double bass drum action. It's power oh, yeah. metal. Way to go, Mark. Power metal. Gorgeous. Uh, the song is, is fine. It, it's not my favorite song on the album, but it gets a lot of brownie points for a very endearing subject matter and passionate delivery, especially, all around. 
I, I don't know if it's because I lived with it much, much longer than most of the other songs, and they are just fresher right now. So there again, we have the early aspect. And that's, again, one of these prices that you pay in the digital age when you have such access to these songs. Yeah, because, no, no doubt. No yeah, doubt. Yeah, because, I mean, this was one of the first songs that I heard them do live on a live bootleg, one of the first new songs. And then um, they eventually released a fully produced version of this. Um, I think the record company did or somebody did. Uh, it was played on Derek Forbes' radio show, and they released this well before the album came out. So everybody listened to it, and I listened to it quite a bit. So I always liked it, but by the time the album came out, I was just kind of like, uh, I kind of want to skip this and just go into something I haven't heard. But I, I listened to it, and I'll be honest with you, I kind of get that feeling every time this song pops up. I think, I think I'm going to skip this one for now. But, <laughs> but the funny yeah. thing is that I always end up listening to the whole thing anyway, and um, – I actually think when you were talking about it being they could take like a glint in the eye approach or a serious approach, I, I kind of see it more as a – I mean there's definitely a lot of th serious themes here, don't get me wrong, but I see a little bit more leaning toward that glint in the eye theme as it gets toward the end of the song. It's It just kind of has that really uplifting feel, and um, what really puts that over the top for me is when – Bruce Watson himself sings at the end of the song, which I love. And I got to I got to give John Gouveia credit for letting me know that that was Bruce, because I'll be honest with you. Um, when I first heard the song, I, I didn't think of it as Bruce. It didn't jump out and hit me as him. I just thought it was Mike overdubbing himself, singing over himself or something. And it didn't hit me right away. But then John said, you know, that's Bruce singing sometimes at the end, don't you? And I, I said, no. And I went back and listened and I thought, how could I have missed that? It's clearly Bruce. I've got to say, I I love Bruce's voice, and one thing that I'm disappointed about um, on the uh, on the CD on the liner notes is that everybody is credited with backing vocals except for Bruce Watson. <laughs> it's like, come on, Bruce, you. I've told I told him this when we interviewed him. I I legitimately love his voice. It's a uh, it's definitely not a Mike Peters technical voice that so he's going to have a great octave, multi octave range type of thing, but. There's something very endearing to his voice um, for me, and it's got a very Joe Strummer-esque quality. And The Clash is is my second favorite band of all time. I, I love The Clash. I love Joe Strummer, and it, it's it's not that I love Bruce's voice because he sounds like Joe Strummer, but he just conjures those emotions in me. It's it's got a similar type of tough, gritty voice, and I would right. I would I would love it if he would be allowed to sing or be able to sing. Um, one song on the next album I, I i love his voice and i think it, it has a really interesting sound to it and and it can give a song kind of a certain grit that that's that helps it along and i think he does that on this song and when i when i hear him singing the backups there at the end with i'm assuming the other guys are singing too and then mike it it just warms my heart it really does and it's it's a great moment i think for bruce um it kind of symbolizes what the band has been through i think to to get to this point and to make such a damn good album and it's it's like a triumphant moment and and i think when he's singing it when he's singing that line i could just be reading into it but i, I just get that feeling of triumph coming from him and from i mean you always feel the feeling of triumph coming from mike but when you hear that one line from bruce i, I get that from him too and it, it just touches me i think it's really a, a great moment in in the uh and the album and it really elevates that song to me even further um, 
the one other part of the song that we didn't mention that I really like is uh, is the middle section. It's kind of the breakdown with the cool little guitar parts, and we we get the first real harmonizing. I don't want to call them bagpipe guitars here because they're really just harmonizing guitars in the in the big country tr- tradition. But um, I love that little mid midsection. It always reminded me a little bit of Harvest Home. I don't know why, but it's got kind of a a feeling of uh, the midsection of Harvest Home to me for some reason, and it right. it, it evokes the past there in a nice way. But um, I think the lyrics are are very fitting for the message they're trying to get across. It's a it's a great theme song. It's a great title track. Um, not this is this is one line, um, one portion where I'm not totally thrilled with the chorus lyrically when it's like lines like um, there is a land, there is a sea, there is a place where we can be. Uh, it's okay, that's an okay line, but it doesn't it, to me it doesn't quite capture the rest of the song quite as much. Um, but then there are other great lines that are very touching that we've got. Um, there will be there will be hurt, there will be pain. What, what we have left cannot be destroyed. I mean. A very simple line, a very in-your-face, upfront line. It's not like that's necessarily a poetic line, but knowing that everything that the band has been through and what the fans have been through, that's a nice line, I think, and and gives me a good feeling. Um, so it's a it's a good song, a good solid song, very good one-two punch to open the album. And uh, where do you where do you rank this in your list? I have it at number ten. <laughs> it's where I have it, number ten. Of course. Hey, Thomas, it's fine. This is Mark Cole from uh, Devon in Southwest UK. Just leaving you a quick message. I've been meaning to do this for a, a few days now, but just haven't had time. So it's basically on my thoughts on the new album for Big Country, The Journey, which on the whole, I think is brilliant. <laughs> I'm trying not to get swept along in the um, euphoria of the band just being together and all the, the positive feelings there are at the moment. I purposely didn't listen to any of the YouTube clips of the new songs. I didn't go on iTunes. I didn't want to hear anything of the new album. Um, it's been a, a long time tradition of mine to listen to an album for the first time. Sat down reading the lyrics, but unfortunately the one negative thing with the new album, no lyrics. But um, some might say there's a, a reason for that, but not for me. I think Mike's done a a pretty decent job on the L. I mean, Stuart was a poet, so there's always going to be those comparisons. But on a whole, I think the album's fantastic. Um, uh, I really didn't think it would be as good as it is in that um, another country. The single really left me cold. Didn't do anything for me from the production to the drum sound to the song as a whole, but. The, the biggest compliment I'm going to pay the album and this new group of songs is that Another Country is one of the best sounding songs on there now. I think what they've done to it, I think, just let's put it head and shoulders above the, the first um, version. Um, I I just think that there's a warmth to it. I think they've there's obviously a lot of love for the record and there's some fantastic music on there and I think Bruce and Jamie sound incredible. Um, Mark, well, there's been one constant for me from the very first time I heard Big Country, even on a bad Big Country song, the drumming is usually incredible and, well, he's on another planet with this and I can't wait to see him do this live. Uh, Favourites for me, uh, well, it'd be easy to say 
the songs that I don't like. But Return, I just can't get enough of. It puts a smile on my face every time I hear it. Another country, like I say, is fantastic. Um, Angels and Promises. It just is incredible piece of music. Heart, obviously. I'm just going to name all the songs, basically. <laughs> anyway, I'm getting under three minutes, so it's... Um, just wanted to say thank you for the podcast. It's kind of helped renew my interest in the band. And um, so thank you guys and thank you, Big Country. Mark Cole from the UK signing out from the pipe. See you later, guys. After the flood, uh, this is the first track ever to feature a fretless bass. Mm-hmm. Because I was told the remit was that it sounded a bit, we've got a song that sounds like, a bit like Simple Minds. And actually, we've had lots of comments yep. since people said, "Oh, did someone from Simulans just step into the room?" But that's what that's what it's like. It's because it's fretless bass. Tony never played that. I've been doing it for years and years. I think I copied Chris Cross from Ultravox to do that, yeah. and a few others. Uh, so, uh, for me, it's it's one of the most uh, my my favourites in the in the album anyway. It does have a Simple Minds vibe to it, I must admit, and I don't know, because we did that song before you joined the band, and it's just, it's just the way it came out, I guess, but yeah. the fretless bass does uh, make a difference. And we've also got a fretless bass player. Yes. He has no frets. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, after the flood and the clip that we just played, the YouTube clip, it was interesting that Bruce and Derek were talking about the song and they were talking about the Simple Minds comparisons to this song. And Bruce pretty much says, yeah, there's a, it does sound very like much like Simple Minds. And when I saw that and heard that the first time, I, I was surprised at that because it didn't hit me that way. And I, I, I'm a marginal fan of Simple Minds. I mean, I can take them or leave them in a lot of respects. There are some albums that they've done uh, ironically, the stuff with Derek, uh, I believe he played on Sparkle in the Rain, which is probably probably one of my favorite Simple Minds albums, a great album. It came out in 84, so he probably would have played on that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I, I, I go back and forth with them, but I'm certainly familiar enough with them where I feel like I would recognize that, and I didn't. But after they said that, I went back and I listened to this, and I thought, wow, yeah, they're right. It really does have a Simple Minds type of vibe to it. But one thing I, I posted on the the main forum somebody else brought this up and i i said that i think it sounds like if it, if it does sound like simple minds it's like simple minds with a shot of testosterone because if there's if there's one thing jim kerr has maybe been criticized for over the years it's like not necessarily being the the toughest type of guy you know he's just he's just kind of um when he was married to chrissy hind i i just wonder how she how she treats <laughs> we we know who were the slippers in that family yeah yeah the slippers yes exactly but anyway no 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 slight on jim I, he's he's great but i, I just you know it's, I, I can't i can't see them doing a song that's as tough as this i guess is what i could say i think th- there's so many great things about this song and it it really is i think the first we haven't even talked about Derek forbes yet on this album and i think for the first couple of songs as strong as uh, and as as good and as solid as Derek's bass playing has been, it really 
isn't anything that's going to necessarily make you stand up and say, oh, they've got a new bass player. Listen to this. I mean, he's playing great. Don't get me wrong. He's playing really well and, and clearly a very accomplished and musician, certainly on the level of Tony. I mean, he's, he's an awesome bass player. Um, and I'm not just judging him on those two songs, but on his other work, too, that I've heard. But I think this song is the first one that really stands out as Derek really making name for himself on this album and a lot of that has to do with what he says in that clip where, where this um where he used a fretless bass on this song and as was said this is the first time that anyone in big country ever played on a fretless bass and if, if you don't if you're not a musician type a geek and you don't necessarily know what that what difference it would mean or even what that is uh basically the the vertical lines on a guitar neck are called frets as most people know and Using those on a bass, it kind of gives the bass, when you play a bass with frets on it, which 90% of them have, it gives the bass a more, um, whenever you hit a, a particular note on the bass, it gives it a more distinct, obvious sound. Whereas if you don't have those frets, it kind of gives the feeling of you're sort of sliding from note to note. It, it It's almost a more, it's hard to really explain, but it's almost, uh, the bass tone almost sounds like it's liquid, like you're moving through the water from note to note, whereas on a fretted bass, it's more like you're hitting each note separately. So there's definitely a different sound and a different feel to using a fretless bass. And it's also a lot harder to play because you really got to know where your fingers go because frets also are good indicators of where you need to put your fingers. So you got to be pretty pretty talented and knowledgeable to be able to handle a fretless anything um, as well as he does here. And it really gives this this song... It probably contributes somewhat to that Simple Minds vibe because I know they use that in a lot of their tunes too, but I think it really gives the song a lot of character. Um, this is one of those songs that when those 30-second clips came out, when I heard the 30-second clip of this, it immediately hit me from the first second of it as something that was really going to be interesting. And it, it was something that I never really heard from Big Country before a sound that I never really had heard from them before. It had almost a Middle Eastern type of feel to it. And I really couldn't wait to hear the full version. And I got to say, the wait, it was worth the wait because this is one of my favorite tunes on the album. And I think, again, this is one of those perfect examples of how the band has established some new aspects of their sound while still maintaining some of that big country stuff that we know and love. And I think... Mark's drums, especially on this, I mean, they hit there. That's what hits you immediately, and it's just such a great rhythm that he's playing here. Like, it's like nothing I've ever really heard from Big Country before. If I had to, if it conjured images of anything else in the past, it might be an East of Eden type of vibe. Um, the song doesn't sound anything like East of Eden, but that rhythm, that odd signature that he's playing in, is is really interesting, and for some reason, evokes that song to me. Um, we get an interesting moment from Mike at the beginning of this song where he says, Shia, <laughs> as the song goes in. <laughs> and, he, and you think, you know, is that now is that off limits for him to say Cha or Cha or Shia? And I know Mike has probably used this before in his own stuff. And for the record, I don't think it is at all. And I think it's just a natural um, it's a natural type of emotion that big country, big country's music just conjures in you if you're singing it. It's just. You want to it just makes you want to shout out those types of things. And um, when, when I heard it, I loved it, actually. I just thought it was a nice whether it was intentional or, or just a subconscious thing that he just did. I thought it was a wonderful little nod to 
steward in the past and it fit perfectly and yeah i wouldn't be surprised if it was spontaneous i i probably feel that way too i, I think that's probably what it was because it just it feels it certainly feels that way but um anyway great great things about this song it's it's such a a cool tune and an inventive tune and there's so many cool elements to this and when i talk about this being a headphones album um this is really the first really great indication of what i mean by that because if you listen to this song in headphones you hear so much great stuff going on um one of my favorite elements of the song are the little mandolin flourishes in this in this tune just really cool little little mandolin parts that just add so much to the song i love it and i'm assuming jamie's playing those because um he's credited with mandolin on this album and great job on that. He's he's really become a very good mandolin player, as, as also evidenced on the stuff he did with uh, with Bruce, their solo stuff. But um, I love that. It's it's really odd to hear like a Middle Eastern sounding song with mandolin on it. I mean, it's just so cool. It's such a cool, inventive and interesting um, mesh of styles. I think that uh, vocally too, it's it's it might be my favorite performance by Mike on the album vocally. I think he just sounds fantastic on this tune. Uh, I love the uh, the under the sky part, how he sings that. I just it just is a very driving part of the song, and very emotional. It just gets you fired up. I, just something about that portion, I just love it. Under the sky. This to me is one of those songs that really just surprised me when I heard it as to how, not only how good it was, but how interesting and how brave of a song it was and how unique of a song it was. I mean, it really sounds like nothing the band would have done with when Stewart was in the band. It certainly has big country elements to it, but it doesn't sound like anything that they would have done in the in the past era of big country. And I think that's one of the things that I respect so much about this album is that you know, there are a few songs on here that are really throwbacks to the old big country sound and unapologetically, I think, too. And I'm glad that they're on this album. But more often than not, you get songs like this, which are really that really show the guys trying to do something. Um, and I don't even think they're necessarily trying to. They're just, it's just coming out this way and, and they're letting themselves be creative. Yeah. And it's exactly like what Bruce said when we interviewed him in episode 10. And he said we're not going to sit around trying to contrive this album. We're just going to do what we think we want to do and whatever comes out, that's what comes out. And you can see that's what's happening here. So it's, it's one of those songs that, as you said earlier, it, it, it makes me proud um, of this album and proud of big country and what they've accomplished because it, it really is such a cool song and such a different song. And it takes the sound in a really interesting new direction. And I think they can build a lot off of this feature too. So I think this is a just a tremendous song. One other thing I do want to mention that I almost forgot about that's so cool in that Rivers Are Rising part is in the background vocals, and this is another thing that you really get to hear more if you listen to it in headphones, but when Mike is singing Rising, the Rivers Are Rising, it sounds like Mark Brzecki in the background more than anyone else singing the background parts, and they're singing the word rising, and they sing it in a minor key, and... I don't want to like jump into 
too much musician speak here or whatever, but they sing it in a minor key, and it's not really what you would your ear is expecting to hear necessarily because the song is is more in a in a major key, especially that portion. But they sing this background part in a minor key, and it is so it's so cool, and it's they just do it once, and and it's so cool, and I love that. I love that they just did that one awesomely cool little thing, and they did it just one time. And it took the song, and just for just that moment, it took the song in this whole different direction. It's those kind of moments throughout this album that really surprise me and really uh, make me make me a believer in this in this lineup and in what they're doing. And uh, I think this is one of the standout tracks. Yeah, yeah, definitely. This was one I took to immediately as well. I think uh, In a Broken Promised Land and After Flood were the two songs I latched on to initially very strongly. Those two were my favorites, and it's still one of my favorites. And uh, the interesting thing, like you uh, sort of touched on, this must be one of the newer songs in the album because it has no Tony Butler writing credit, but Derek is on it. And uh, that's interesting because... This is one of the songs that points away from the past and into other types of influences. So with that being one of the later things that they come up with, does that point the direction or is it just a, a happy accident? I mean, time will show, but it's uh, an interesting thing to notice. Uh, so one thing I expected you to say, but you didn't say it, is about the opening rhythm. Uh, I definitely hear River of Hope. Uh, it's very similar to River of Hope, pretty much the same rhythm. So uh, that, uh, well, that's it's more, it's more staccato y, I think. Uh, it, whereas River of Hope is just like a constant driving force of nature. This is like more like stuttering and start and stop type of feel to me. No, it's, 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 it's not a carbon copy for sure, but uh, it definitely has some of the same thing going. I think once you hear it, you can't unhear it. So I always think of it. Um, and also about uh, the Simple Mind comparisons. Uh, like yourself, I I was one of those who said, really? <laughs> when I heard that, uh, I don't hear it. But uh, I don't know if I'm too familiar with them. Uh, I'm, I mostly heard stuff from after Derek left the band. Uh, so um, out of curiosity, if anyone hears this, I'd love to see some examples. Just I, I just like to know because I'm, I guess I'm not in the know enough to see it. You know, I, I checked with my wife, yeah, who's much more of a fan, and uh, she said, well, could it be Waterfront? And then we played it, and I said, no, not really. But maybe it's like you said, with a shot in the arm, it, it could be something like it. I hear some other influences, though, and uh, I know that this is not a cool name to throw around, but I hear some Gary Glitter-esque rhythm things going on here. <laughs> <laughs> he just has so many songs that start, with the same kind of rhythm and guitar thing is. It's not about, uh, certainly not like those songs, but there's something about the style. Start with the rhythm, you go into a guitar thing, and Gary Glitter just seems to have that rhythm starting in a lot of songs. and. Uh, it just, uh, I was just reminded of it. I'm not going to say they sound like Eric Glitter for God's sake. But, right, right, uh, right. But, um, but, well, what hits me when you play those tracks too that I that I think of is the hey, 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 because the, this song does have a really cool 
little part where they they do a little hey chant. So that kind of lends back to the Gary Glitter stuff too. Good lord, yeah. <laughs> part of me hate to bring it up, but uh, I, I I I did hear it. It, it was definitely well, they, something there. Well, I remember um, the track "Driving to Damascus" was re- was reviewed with saying that it sounded Gary Glitter esque at times too, and that that was talked about about that track. So, believe oh, it or really? not, yeah. So believe it or not, I don't think this is the first time that Gary Glitter's name has been used in conjunction <laughs> big country. All right. Yeah. So um, yeah. Well, it it is what it is, and it it's only rock and roll. Um, of course, it's much more fun to recognize the fields of fire lick, which is also reused in this song. That's really nice. And uh, it's like I've been saying all along, the success formula for the current band is one foot in the past and one foot in the future. And uh, some some songs have a stronger leaning on the past. Uh, this definitely has a strong leaning on the future. But still, the fact that you can hear the fields of fire lick in there is uh, is nice. It makes I never even I never even thought about that until just now, and and I was thinking, what is he talking about? And then I'm thinking of that lyric, and like, yeah, well, yeah, that is that is field. I mean, that part. You're right. That is that is very fields of fire esque, isn't it? Yeah, so you said a lot of the things about this song already, so I'm not going to add too too much more. But uh, this is one of those where, again, uh, I wish I had the lyric sheet. Uh, what's your take on the lyric? Yeah, interesting. Um, well, this is certainly one that's that doesn't strike me as having anything to do with Stuart, so that's interesting. Yeah. Um, these lyrics, uh, you know, I'll be honest with you. I haven't given them a ton of thought yet. I haven't really sat and thought about it. Um, right. I, pro- I probably should, and, and as you say, it's hard to – it's hard to do that without them without them printed out that you can read them and think about them. Um, no, it's interesting. I I it just it seems to me to be a lot of that stream of consciousness type of lyric writing where I'm I'm more drawn to certain feel feelings that it that it evokes. Um, mm. For example, when he's singing about the rivers are rising and and troubles rising, I don't know exactly how that relates to the context of the overall song, but there's just something about that that the way it's performed and everything that works for me. Um, but yeah, I, I really don't know. I don't have a clue at this point. Uh, I'm asking you because I don't really know either. And I, <laughs> I, I'm not going to sit here and speculate, I think, <laughs> wasting everybody's time. But I'm definitely going to get into this. I'm sure lyrics will appear somewhere. I, I'm having a hard time making out half of the lyrics at least. Yeah. But, but I'm thinking after the flood, what could the flood be? You know, it it's, it's sort of an after the catastrophe kind of situation. Um I don't get a lot of feeling of of disaster from the song, kind of like you do for the storm. There is very impending and very ominous, and here it's more like a very funky and fun, strange song. And it's after the flood and rivers are rising, and I don't get that that sort of ominous thing. I, I don't get it, but uh, but the lyrics might point that way. I don't know. I really don't know. But uh, I'm interested. I, I would love to know. But uh, this is one to revisit, I think, definitely. So how do you rank it? This is my number two. All right, this is my number four, and I love it. Good. Hi there, this is Christine, but many of you know me as CJ, and this is my review of The Journey. Based on some of the YouTube clips from Sterling and other gigs over the past couple of years, I really wasn't sure how I was going to respond to the new material. But I really like it, and I promise I'd tell you if I didn't. My favorite tune off the new album is definitely Home of the Brave. I cannot get enough of that one. I think I'm running it on a constant loop. And I'm really blown away by um, the gig footage 
uh, of Derek's solo at the beginning of the song. So I hope he does that when they're in the States. I'm also really enjoying After the Flood, Last Ship Sails, Strong, uh, In a Broken Promised Land, Winter Fire. And the big surprise for me is Hail and Farewell, uh, which I really like. There are a couple of tunes that have grown on me over the past couple of weeks. I caught myself singing Hurt in the office the other day. And the guitar on the journey is just seriously catchy. I'm not, however, a fan of the new intro to Another Country, which reminds me a little bit... No, it reminds me a lot of Mannheim Steamroller. I'm sorry. Um, And I think I'm probably the only person who just can't get into Return, which I know will horrify many of you, as it does my dear friend Andy Inkster, who may, may, may well disown me after this public confessional. Um, One of the things that I like the most about the new album is how cohesive it is. I think there's a lot of variety in the tracks. You get some post-punk, some classic rock, some anthemic rock, some ballads. But all of these songs really sound like they belong together. And for for me, it provides that sort of old-school a, you know, album listening experience that I had as a kid. And that's one of those things you just don't get these days in a world that's driven by singles. So all in all, I think it's a solid album. I cannot wait to see the guys stateside. Stay alive. Okay, that's going to do it for episode 18 of The Great Divide. Sorry we didn't get to more songs, but uh, as you can hear, we are a couple of blowhards. But actually, you know, it was you guys, some of you guys, who actually made this episode longer, which we are really thankful for. You guys offered so many great contributions to us through the SpeakPipe page. And speaking for Svine and myself, I know that we, I can say that we both really appreciated that. And it's just been fantastic and fascinating to listen to all of you guys with your different accents from different parts of the world talking about big country, something that we can all agree on and that we all love. And at least agree on in general terms. We all have our favorite songs, our favorite albums, etc. But it's a great it's a great thing to have Big Country bringing so many people together again from so many different parts of the world. So thank you for all those contributions. It honestly really helps make what I think is a really great show to have everybody involved like this. So so thank you for that and we will be back hopefully soon next time with episode 19 and our continuing discussion of what we think is a great new Big Country album, The Journey. And what a great thing that is to say in 2013. So, sounds like you guys are all enjoying the shows. I just found out that the band is going to be playing five minutes from my house here in Virginia in June. So, I am super excited for that. I can't wait. So, um, the first time I've seen them since 1999. So, it's been a long time. So, with that, thanks again for listening. We really appreciate it. And we will see you next time. Bye. God, you don't have to add the pathos. <laughs> the journey.